Defended by Simmons. Is this the tiger? Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, here with my co-host, Nick Volacci. Nick, we're recording for a very special reason. The Jays are playoff bound. How are you doing and how are you feeling about the big news since the Jays clinch on an off day? Doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, Feeling great. Um, this is what we expected, right? I think it's it's good that the team finally came through last year, especially coming up so short down to that final game. It feels good to kind of get it out the way. Um, you know, you would have liked to kind of, um, how do I say this? I guess clinch on your own win because that usually is a better feeling. But nonetheless, I will for sure take it here in Toronto, given that it's been so long since we've been back to, you know, a legitimate playoff because I don't really count 2020. I don't know about your opinion on that. But um, yeah, so it feels good. Uh, obviously didn't get the division like we would have wanted, but we're in a good spot. Hopefully they can carry it on and, you know, clinch that number one seed in the uh, wild card. Like, in my opinion, this was the most Jays thing ever for this team this season. Clinching a playoff spot on your day off. Uh, it's been a, a year that, it, like, it's been so up and down, so streaky. There's been times where this team's looked like, you know, it's a World Series contender. There's been times where it's like, well, is this team going to struggle to at least make the wild card spot? But they got the job done. Like, I agree with what you said. We kind of expected this. Um, you know, there was the ups and downs, like I just mentioned. But this team, they're a good team. They're a good team. Uh, I'm confident in them. I, I'm excited. Like, I cannot wait. Nick, like, how are you Like, are you ready for fall baseball? Like, to me, after last season, like, I, there's not been – like, I, my mindset – has just been looking towards the fall. Like we were in that August period. I just wanted to skip August and, you know, September was exciting, but my mindset, I can't lie from April has been all about the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I think funny enough, uh, that was kind of think everyone's opinion. Once the season started, like everyone was just waiting for the playoffs. Let's get in, let's get in and see how far we can go. Um, You know, this team did do their best effort to kind of make it interesting along the way with some of the worst slumps that I've seen in a while. Um, you know, on both sides of the ball, but regardless, you know, we're, we're here, we're there. Um, you know, I think it was Vladdy's quote. Uh, he was talking about talking to Edwin and, uh, Bautista about how Toronto is just a different atmosphere in the playoffs. Uh, and you know, I think that rings true for this year as well. I think we're going to see a total different side of, uh, you know, the Rogers center. Uh, the energy is going to be unreal. Um, and I think that'll propel the guys that I'm excited to see where it takes us. Yeah, no, I cannot wait. Um, let's just get this out of the way here first, because I feel like this is what, you know, Jays fans are listening to us for. Um, it's the biggest question mark left regarding the regular season at this point for the Blue Jays. Uh, we have a big series coming up against the Boston Red Sox. We're going to dive into in a bit. But where is your ideal matchup? Where do you want to finish? Do you want the home field? Would you rather play a certain team? How are you feeling about all this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, ideally, honestly, any outcome that doesn't involve the Jays in the trop for three games is what I'd prefer. Um, honestly, I'll take the home field advantage, obviously, but above all else, I do not want to be playing three games in the trop because that just spells disaster based on previous years. And, 
you know, and we know Tampa can play small ball and win games that maybe they shouldn't, but that drops a dead zone for the Jays. So that's probably my least uh, favorite outcome out of all of them. But yeah, obviously we should try our best to just clinch that home field advantage, um, you know, if we can. You know, there, there's a lot of word around baseball, especially from Jays fans, how the Guardians are kind of the easy matchup. You know, I was looking at that team today. It's a very contact-heavy team, right? They're, they're not going to kill you with the long ball. Uh, they have some very good pitching. McKenzie and Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler. Uh, McKenzie and Bieber are just, you know, two monsters when they're clicking. Um, you know, Shane Bieber is still a guy, despite, you know, his ups and downs in his career, still a big game pitcher. Um, not a guy you want to go up against in a playoff game, in a playoff series, actually. Uh, but McKenzie's really came along in the second half here. Do you agree with how people are kind of penciling in the Guardians as the the weak side here? Uh, you know, the easy pick opponent. Because, in my opinion, I think this team's being heavily slept on. Uh, they've been really impressive all season long, and. If you listen to the Blair and Barker podcast, they described it perfectly. This is a team that is death by a thousand cuts. They're not going to, you know, like I said, hit the long ball, but the contact hitting, does that scare you? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably in that same boat of thinking that Cleveland is probably the ideal matchup for the Jays. Um, unfortunately, like I'm not saying this is, uh, you know, as disrespect because honestly, Cleveland is a very good team and they have the pitching, especially that back end of the bullpen with Klasse, uh and guys like uh, Karen Chuck, like those guys can absolutely sling it. So that's not where my mind is at, but more so like, you know, if you look at Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay just caused all sorts of problems for the Jays in general. Uh, and Seattle looks like a very, you know, legit force. So I think that kind of thinking comes from the simple fact that, you know, the Guardians outside of Jose Ramirez and a couple of pitchers don't have that same star power or that same danger aspect. Um, and honestly, the reason that I prefer to play the Guardians is because I'd rather face the Yankees in round two than the Astros. So that's more of my um, thought on that. Rather than, you know, it being simply just based upon, like, who are we playing in that wildcard round? Because obviously, um, you know, you would like the home field advantage. You wouldn't want to slip to that three because if you slip to that third spot, then you're not going to have um, home co- or home field at any point in the uh, in the playoffs. So yeah, I think Cleveland's a very very dangerous team just given the fact that you know any other pitchers can go off and throw an absolute gem and take you right out of the game no matter how good your offense is. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I would still prefer to you know uh, I wouldn't be mad with that outcome, but I would much rather finish first uh just for that home field but like i said um the only reason i would like that pathway is simply just because of the yankees the round after versus the astros uh what do you think about that it's interesting like you know you called it like i gave you credit on the last episode about the yankees and their little bit of a fall but like just imagine uh what six months ago where we're here kind of scared of the astros and like saying like oh no we prefer matching up with the yankees in round two now, one thing, like, besides that, that, like, it's kind of just crazy to think about um, is for me, I don't know if this is just me looking at the playoffs and just overthinking and theorizing everything. You know, this is what happens when you have such a passionate fan base in Toronto. But, you know, like I said, the Guardians, they don't strike out a lot. They put the ball in play. And I just wonder with such a young team the Jays have here, if that playoff burden, and I know, you know, you might get the home field and stuff like that, but I wonder 
if that burden of, you know, on these young players, especially Bo Bichette, uh, if their nerves kind of affect them and, you know, you make a bad play in the first inning, right? Let's say in an elimination game against the Guardians um, and, you know, you kind of make an error. How do you bounce back from that, right? Like this, that's the only thing I'm scared about. It's a, this is a young Jays team. We know they make some errors on defense occasionally. This isn't a team that's as focused on the defensive side of things positionally uh, now that Montoyo is gone. Uh, Schneider, you know, he's done a good job in my opinion, but still we noticed a lot more attention to the defensive side of things under Montoyo. Does, does that kind of concern you at all? Uh, you know what? I think having guys like Chapman, uh, you know, like Springer, um, just within that defense, it does a lot, especially that veteran presence that they have. Um, you know, the, the thing about the young team is like, yeah, that's definitely a valid concern. But this is why you bring in a guy like George Springer, because he has that World Series pedigree um, from all those countless trips that he's taken with the uh, Astros to the playoffs. I think uh, when you look at it, right, I think that's a huge boost over what we saw. Because, you know, if we go back to that 2020 year, yeah, Ryu got lit up uh, and all that. But we did see some faulty defense um, by Bichette that ended up being costly and, you know, similar mistakes like that. I do think now, um, especially with how they've played recently, I mean, aside from that Simber, I don't even want to talk about that Simber play. That might have been the worst thing I've seen all year. But other than that, I, I do think that I have a good, you know, uh, level of confidence in this defense. Uh, going back to, you know, halfway through the year, I believe they were like number two or number one defensively. I'm not sure where they rank right now. But, you know, they haven't given me too big of a reason to be concerned. I do think, you know, you they'll have the jitters because that's just normal. That happens, you know, in the atmosphere. But that's kind of why I prefer to have that home field advantage because, you know, especially when, you know, it's a three-game series where you don't get a home game if you're not the higher seed. Um, you know, I think it's vital. I think they need that. Um, and that'll make a world of difference for them. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Chapman and Springer are going to be huge. Uh, offensively, if you look at it that way, you know, Springer, if you look when this team has been trailing by such a large deficit and they've, you know, come back and won games throughout the year, uh, despite being, you know, blown out of it early, you think of the first uh, game of the season, right? The home opener against Texas, that, that thing was like widely blown open and they come back to win. It always starts with George Springer leading off the rally. And if George Springer can keep up, you know, the bat and, you know, obviously you stay healthy in the postseason. this team's going to be a tough out. And, you know, this is something that I've been saying all season long. Yeah. This team's had its ups and downs in the regular season, but this team might be a playoff, you know, juggernaut just based off of how much unknown there is to this team. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Still a productive season and we're referring to him as struggling, right? Boba Shett in this last, you know, little bit here, has been arguably one of the best players in baseball offensively. Now, you know, there's a lot of criticism to Bichette on his defensive side of things, but his bat has been good. It's cooled down a little bit recently, but still a top bat in this league. And guys like Chapman and, you know, throughout the depth, even Merrifield, right, that series he had in Tampa, his bat looks like it's starting to get a lot better than what we saw in that mid-end August area. And I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens tonight. Obviously, I hate the Red Sox. Boston's coming to town. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. But tell me, how do you feel about this team offensively now instead of the defensive perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think as we all know and as we've talked about 100 times, the ceiling is literally like we can't even fathom the ceiling that this offense is capable of. They 
can be a force one through nine, one through eleven. Even I would I would argue with a couple pinch hitters off the bench. Like that's how good this team can be. Uh, we're well aware of this, but you know it it depends on who shows up. We've seen drastic differences throughout the year. We've seen them at their very best, where they can put up a ten spot in a blink of an eye, or we've seen a team who struggles to score against a four or fifth starter, right? So I think it'll be it'll be interesting because that I think. You know, we talk about the pitching, we talk about the defense, but the offense is what's going to drive this team. This is not a defensive ball club, a pitching ball club. This is not what these guys are. This is a team that is going to basically go wherever their hitting takes them. Um, you know, you got to look at a guy like Teoscar and say, like, you know, didn't have the best of seasons, right, up to his standard. But can he pick it up in the playoffs? Because if he picks it up in the playoffs, this lineup gets so much more dangerous. You know, having one through five be just a killer's row of you know, of just sluggers, and then you get into the, you know, the six to nine range, and those guys are still very capable. Like, Teoscar is the kind of guy who can transcend a lineup into a whole different dimension. Like, yeah, we talk about mm-hmm. Vladdy and Bo, but those guys are staple points, right? Yeah. Well, we look at Teoscar. Teoscar is that guy where he hasn't been where he's like where he's been capable of, but based on what we've seen in the past, we know that he can play at that all-star level, and when he does, his lineup looks completely different. So I would say just keep an eye on those kind of guys. If they can step up in that moment, this offense will be I would argue, I don't know if there's one other than maybe the Dodgers who can compete with that. Uh, maybe uh, the Padres if they had Tatis. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No, I was just messing so. with The Padres, man, like I like looking at the playoff bracket right now, like that team just frustrates the – going to drop an F-bomb. Like that – like how do you go out, do everything you did, and you're, you're still getting like destroyed by the Dodgers? Like it just makes me mad. I want that team to be good. I want them to succeed, but – they just can never put it together. Um, but going back to your point, you're, you're completely right. And Teoscar, like, you know, I love him. I do. It's a guy that I've always drafted in fantasy baseball. He's always been, like, my favorite Blue Jay besides, you know, Guerrero and Bichette. It's hard not to love those two. Those guys, their vibes are just, you know, they make the Blue Jays. But Teoscar's always been that complimentary piece that it has been my favorite because of the power. I'm a power guy. I talked about this all the time on the show. I like the home runs. I like seeing the long ball. Uh, I don't care about pitching, contest, like matchups and stuff like that, contact hitting. That's never been my thing. Uh, if you play me in MLB The Show, you're probably going to win with like 10Ks because I'm going to swing at everything. I just want to see home runs. So Teoscar, his production's kind of stalled, and it's been good uh, here and there. He's had some good months. He's had some good splits, kind of like every uh, Major League Baseball player, but this season, like you said, it just hasn't been up to his standard, and it's frustrating. But you also got to think he I – th- I feel like this whole team – and, Nick, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but just hearing the way they talk in the interviews and, you know, their social medias and everything from the start of the season, it's all it's all been about a, a hidden cliche of unfinished business, basically. And they know that they missed the playoffs by game last year. I feel like this season we've seen a lot of the ups and downs. Why? Because, you know, even us watching it, to fans, this didn't have the regular season poise to it as it did, like maybe last year, where you know, show it feels like everything's been about the playoffs. And right now, I would not be surprised if we see a huge swing from a guy like Teoscar Hernandez, who is in that point where you know he's kind of like a real time veteran now. Um, you know, if he just goes absolutely crazy in the, you know, the wildcard series, because this is a guy that I feel like 
has kind of been through the regular season. The season starts late. I feel like this whole team was just kind of like, let's just get through it and let's get into that tournament. Once we're in it, it's anybody's game. And Tay Oscar, I love that point by you. I would not be surprised. Tell me, what, like, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that this team does have the confidence that they say they do. Um, you know, I think... It may not look like it at times, but this is a very confident ball club. I think they know what they're capable of. Um, I think, you know, definitely this regular season probably did have a little bit of that, you know, getting ahead of yourself and um, just already thinking you're there when you're still four months away. Um, but I think that kind of plays into the fact that, you know what, I think they've kind of realized that now they've played, you know, they haven't played great as of late, but you've seen a lot of flashes. And I think, you know, they're kind of figuring it out, um, you know, on both sides. Um, and I think when the playoffs come around, once they're in that spot, I do think we'll see some, you know, higher level of competition out of the Blue Jays. Cause like, you know, like you pointed to, they've been saying it all year that they've been ready for the playoffs. Right. And, you know, it's hard to go through, um, you know, a long 162 game season when all you're thinking about is October, 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 right. Cause you're not even close. Um, and that can clearly drag and that's what leads to these long slumps, but, you know, now that we're approaching that time, I think they're all going to get dialed in and we might see guys like I would not be shocked if we see guys lock into a whole different level and just, you know, light the world on fire because we know that they're capable of it. So it'll be interesting to see. But I do agree with you. I think they've been very focused on this and we'll see how that plays moving forward. Yeah, like I can't lie. It's exciting. I'd rather a team that's driven in the postseason than in the regular season. We already have that on the Toronto Maple Leafs down the road, but you know, it's it's certainly going to be interesting. I can't wait. We're going to have a massive playoff preview episode coming out before that tournament kicks off. So let's transition over now to the series tonight that's happening because it's, it's, it's important. And there's not a lot of media going around talking about tonight. It's all about the Jays are in the playoffs. Who really cares about the Boston Red Sox who are coming to town on a very disappointing season, 75 and 81. They're currently fifth in the AL East. This is a good team, in my opinion. I just think, you know, this division's just so damn good this year. Uh, even the Orioles really contributing. Like, 75-81, they have a good roster. Like, it's not the best. I don't think it's near the Jays. But, like, you know, Story, that was a big move for them. They were projected to be in the wild card. Um, but he's on the 10-day IL with a heel injury, so he won't be playing. Neither will their uh, trade deadline acquisition, Eric Hosmer, uh, the first baseman. He's on the 10-day IL with a back injury. The Jays will be without Espinal and Guriel, which is something that we've expected now. But, you know, it's Manoa against Pavetta. Uh, Pavetta, you know, he's had some ups and downs in his performances against the Jays. Sometimes he's been hit well. Sometimes he's put on a good performance. Uh, he comes in tonight with a 10-11 and 11 record, 4.48 ERA, a 1.36 whip, 168 Ks, 267 walks. He'll be going up against the Blue Jays, I guess, hidden ace in Alec Manoa. Um, who's 15 and seven on the year record wise, 190 innings pitched, 2.31 ERA, a 1.00 whip, 176 Ks to 49 walks. I don't think this is too bold of a take, but I'm pretty comfortable in this pitching matchup leading towards the Jays. How do you feel about that, Nick? Yeah, I mean, can't help but be confident um, with Minnow on the bump every time. I will say, I think, I mean, obviously, maybe this is a little bit off and a little bit of. Um, you know, uh, false remembrance, but I swear that Pavetta has thrown up a couple of gems against us uh, in the past. So I don't know if he just turns it on against the Jays or what, but yeah, overall not having a great season. 
Um, and that kind of goes for the rest of the pitching staff in Boston, right? If you look at it, they're second in average behind us, right? So they can't hit the baseball. We know this very well. Um, you know, second in average, um, ninth in OPS. Like, they're a top 10 offense for sure. Uh, that's without saying. But, you know, pitching-wise, they just have been able to get it done all year, right? Four-and-a-half team ERA. So with Manoa on the bump, I feel very confident uh, in this matchup. Yeah, and, you know, get – uh John Gibbons, the old manager of the Blue Jays, he's now on Twitter uh, the last month or so. He's been tweeting out some things in all regards to the Blue Jays. Uh, and he put out a tweet, I think it was last week maybe, and he said something amongst the lines of, you know, Manoa is so good of a player that uh, he looks at when he's playing and he marks it down. That's like a must-watch kind of game. And I have to say, you know, I gave credit earlier on the show that I'm a hitting guy, power hitter. I'm, I'm attracted to home runs and stuff like that. But Manoa's a guy that I love to watch. And if I love to watch you as a pitcher, you must be damn good at your job because Manoa is a beast. He's really embraced the six, the image of being in Toronto, Canada's team, all that pressure that's associated with that being the big, the big guy of the rotation here. Like we had with Stroman, he's really taken that all in. He's absorbed it and he's used it to his advantage. He goes out there, you know, throwing fear into the opposing team's hitters and their lineups, no matter how much they change it, who's hitting where Manoa's had good numbers all season long um, amongst the best teams in he's taking care of the bad teams. This is a guy that I completely trust. He is like, I, I can't wait to see what he does in the playoffs. Cause if this guy's amped up about a, a game in August, you know, against an opponent that's win percentage is under 500. How fired up is he going to be if he throws a one, two, three strikes out the side inning at Roger Center where fans are absolutely screaming his name? Like, I, like that just gives me chills. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, he's a very emotional guy on the mound, and I think it's the presence that he carries with him being such a large guy. Um, you know, I can't remember the last guy that looked like that who threw that well. Like, he's just so intimidating up there. You know, might be one of the only guys who, you know, steps in there against Aaron Judge, like gets on the mound and doesn't seem even phased a little bit, right? I mean, obviously, despite the fantastic season that Judge is having, like, I'm talking about more just the physical stature of him, right? And Manoa's right up there with him, right? It's, it's, it's incredible, right? And he's somebody who plays with his emotions on his sleeve. We see him get pumped up. We see him get heated. We see him, you know, yell at the other team. He's a guy who, you know, I think he's built for the big moment, right? And I think he, you know... This isn't, you know, the most headlining of starts today, but it's a very big one for, you know, the long-term effects for the, you know, for the playoffs. So, you know, I think he'll show up and I cannot wait to see what he does in the playoffs. Yeah, like th this is a kind of player that this is a guy that you're going to win championships with. He's not going to turn off the gas, you know, midway through the year. He's not going to take his foot off the gas in the play. Like he is going to step on your neck and he is going to fight with you until the end. Alec Manoa, huge fan, and I uh, can't wait to see what he brings to the Jays long-term. I think it's pretty clear he's the ace right now. What do you say, Nick? I love Gauze. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it's just – I'm pretty – I think it's – What, that he's, that he's our best pitcher? Like, that he's, like, the clear ace of this Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I said this – I think I said this in our other – other episode where we talked about how you'd formulate it, and I said that if there was a big game, I'd want it in Manoa's hands. Yeah, so um, – so, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Gosman, Gosman to me is more like reliable, um, you know, just strong, level-headed guy. But Manoa is like that 
that you know that spark who I like I wouldn't be shocked you throw him out there he gives you eight innings of one run baseball like I would not be shocked about that in the playoffs right he's capable of such like such excellence that um you know his ceiling I think like hasn't even been touched yet and I think we might see that coming up like I w- it wouldn't be shocked if he's one of these guys who you know what second year in the league comes and takes the playoffs by storm I think that's very likely in my opinion um you know I don't see him slowing down and I think he is going to be the big game pitcher for us moving forward. And we'll take it, right? If it's a decision between him and Gosman, that's a great problem to have. So I don't think you can go wrong either way. But I think Manoa is really building up that steam. Yeah, and I, like I said, I love Gauz. But, you know, we're talking about him now. I feel like let's just get this question out of the way. Listen to Gosman in interviews. He's always talked about the second half and, you know, uh, what was something he's talked about is his usual schedule where he won't throw a bullpen after the all-star break in the middle of the week. Like he'll take one back to save his arm for the later half. Does Gosman's, you know, long-term effect here for this regular season, does that worry you if, you know, his arm kind of has some problems and, you know, he's had some good, like, don't get me wrong. He hasn't shown signs of, you know, <laughs> emergency just yet, but, He's had like he's been hit a little bit better in the second half here. Does that than the first half? The first half he was electric. People were calling him for Cy Young, but you know, does that kind of worry you if we get to the postseason? You know, I don't think it'll worry me until like he's given me a super reason to worry. Like as in like you know, uh, I see some issues right out of the gate in the playoffs. You know, at the end of the day, like these guys are professionals. We have to trust them to know their body because they know it better than anybody else. Like he knows what'll get him ready. Um, you know, I will say that he's probably the one guy in the rotation that, like, if you watch one of his starts, like, he'll go out there and he'll throw, he'll have a start where he's throwing, like, 89-90 for, like, three innings, and you're like, what is happening? Like, what's going on? Uh, I think even the past game against New York, I was at that game, and he was sitting, like, 91 in the first inning. Um, but then he came out in the second and third, and he's back up to 95-96. So, you know, it's a bit odd. Um, you know, I've seen that throughout the year with him where his Vila will, like, or inexplicably drop for whatever reason. Um, but you know, I think until we see something like, I, th- I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's got it. You know, if this is just what it takes to get him ready for the playoffs then that's fine. Um, until we see some injuries start to pop up that, you know, affect him long-term, I don't think there's a reason to worry. Um, I know we didn't have a great second half last year with, uh, with San Fran, but, um, you know, I think I trust him enough to know what he needs to be ready in the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was – sorry, I was trying to think here. Is it Verlander that kind of does that with his pitches? Like, he the, to start the game, he takes his foot off his velo? Like, you know, like, and then he at the end of the game – Yeah, I mean, Verlander pumps. Verlander pumps at the end of the game. Like, he's throwing harder yeah. in the later innings than he throws in the earlier innings, I think so. Yeah, because I was trying to think – I remember reading something about that and how he felt that that was better for him long term and what that, you know, did for his game – um, but you know, I agree. You're completely right about Gosman and he, he's a professional. We have to trust him and his evaluation of his own self. Obviously, you know, we're from the outside talking about it. So we don't have that much to, to really go off of, but you know, I've been impressed with them. I love the move when they did it. it. looks like it's paid off this year. If they didn't sign them, who knows where this team would be? Uh, I don't think they'd be in the postseason, though. Is that too much of a hot take? Would you agree? Yeah, I think given the fact that, you know, Ryu got hurt so early and then we saw, you know, Barrios basically, I don't, inexplicably, you know, just not have it this year. 
um, at least consistently. And then the, you know, the implosion that was Kikuchi. Like, I think without Gosman, this team might not be in the playoff picture. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, as much talent as they have, like, the rotation clearly hasn't been, you know, what we thought it could be. Um, but having, you know, that two-headed monster for a while definitely pushed us into this spot. And then eventually Stripling kind of caught up and did his part. Um, but, yeah, without without Gosman, this season has totally different outlook, in my opinion. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. And that that's what I was, like, concerned about. Like, you know, you look at this rotation, it's so top-heavy. When Mitch White pitches, like, I have a headache to start the day, and it just lasts all day because I'm not looking forward to the night game. And Mitch White has been a disaster. I, I don't think he'll be on the playoff roster. We'll see. There, there's some – that's going to be an interesting conversation I can't wait to have on our big playoff preview. But let's get a – like, I'm sure people listening to this are tired of hearing about pitching. Let's go back to the lineup talk. This is, you know, a very similar team here in Boston where their offense has been quietly good. And, you know, the Jays, we all hear about how Guerrero's struggling and Bichette is only starting to get hot now and stuff like that. And how the season, you know, the Jays, you know, weren't as productive offensively. But quietly, you look at the numbers. They're one of the best offenses still in baseball. They're first in average. Uh, they're third place in on-base percentage. They're fourth in slugging. They're tied for third in OPS. They're ninth in home runs, uh, 21st in stolen bases. Now, see, the ninth in home runs, I think, is a little bit of, you know, the part where you're like, okay, you look at this offense last season. They were, I think, what they finish as? They were top five, weren't they, in home runs? Yeah, I think so. Something of that sort. They're I, definitely I think elite. They, they were elite last year, put it that way. No, I, I, I think they might have been number one, actually. I remember because – this was a team that, you know, we were all talking about. It was like quite the opposite, right? Like, oh, there's too many home runs here. Sorry, like, yeah, they're, they were number they were number one with 262. They were 20 ahead of second place. Yeah, like this, like I think that's why we kind of see like the question marks and the, I guess, the, the negative criticism about how like, you know, this team isn't the same team as last year. But if you look at the offensive categories, like the contact and all that stuff's there. It's, it's, those are numbers that, you know, I, I want to see in the postseason because you're going to win games. The home run's still in the top 10. I'll take that. They have 190 so far on the year. Um, you know, for Boston, it's a little bit different. They're second in average. So it's first for second in average tonight. But then they're like sixth, eighth, ninth in uh, on base percentage and slugging and OPS. Uh, they only have 151 home runs this season. So they're 20th. So not the best season for power there out of a Red Sox team that's usually good in terms of home run statistics. But Tell me, this Jays offense, where do you stand on it right now? Um, I, I still think it's – I would go it's very good as a floor and an elite as a as a ceiling. I think, um, you know, like I'm looking even between 2021, 2022 right now. The, you know, last year I think it wasn't even a contest I, that people knew we were the best offensive team in the regular season. Um, you know, I think it was most home runs, most average. But if you look at it now, this year compared to last year, the average is different by like five points, not even four points, I think. Uh, the on-base is different by six points. The only major difference is in the OPS, but that can just be attributed straight up to the, uh, the the home run differential, right? So the average hasn't dropped that much, but they're just not hitting the ball out as much, which, um, you know, obviously isn't ideal, but, you know, that can at least be calculated. And not to mention that last year, you know, you had the record-setting year of Marcus Simeon. You had 40, I think you had 40 from Vlad last year. Um, I think, you know, Teoscar didn't miss time last year. Uh, Bo was good to go from the start. Like, you know, you had uh, Lourdes actually, you know, had a lot more power last year than he has this year. Um, like, you know, 
you're seeing this major drop, but there are legitimate reasons for that. So I wouldn't be too concerned. But yeah, like I said, I think the um, the ceiling is definitely still very, very elite. Um, but I would say that even at the floor or, you know, the average middle ground, I think this this offense is still going to be top three in the uh, in the playoffs if they do play even remotely close to how they can. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Um, this team, I, I think it's special. I think once we get Guriel back in Espinal, that's going to be a huge addition because why those guys are, you know, big time contributors, Espinal in the All-Star game this season. Um, I feel like that those, their absences aren't talked about enough, right? Like this last week has been so over, you know, crowded with a bunch of Mitch White, Hayde and stuff like that. They've, they're four and six in their last 10 games. But this lineup, when it's healthy, like you look at tonight's matchup, uh, between Boston and Jays. The lineup, you know, we have Springer leading off, Bichette in the two-hole, then Guerrero at three, Kirk at four, Chapman five, Teoscar six, Tapia seven, Danny Jansen eight, and Whit Merrifield at nine. You add Guriel in here, you probably take out Tapia. Then you have Espinal as, you know, your bench option or maybe switch with Whit. You know, you can plug him in anywhere, really, um, in your lineup. Now there's, uh, you know, the DH across the league even if you do get to the world series. So this team to me might have the best one through nine. And that's including the Dodgers. Cause you know, Danny Jansen's had a surprisingly good uh, offensive season so far. Best OPS on the team. Yeah. I, exactly. I, I, ridiculous. I don't even get it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Merrifield who looks like he's starting to turn his ship around Tapia. He, you know, he's that fourth guy, but he can get on his game and he can contribute. We saw that stretch in July. I think it was, after mid-July, it was like the 20th uh, of July, that weekend there, he was hitting the ball really well. Tay Oscar, if we can uncork his game and get him back to the tail from, you know, seasons prior, him in the six hole, oh, man, like that is a luxury. And you're going to add Guriel, like I said, who's, you know, struggled with the power this season. I found that really interesting. Um, maybe it was due to his hamstring injury uh, that he's now on the IL with. So, that's something to, I guess, watch for. But his contact, like he still was one of the best hitters on the team for the, the early part of the season, contact-wise. I remember he was in the three-hole at certain games. And I remember there was a time where he let off uh, for a couple games in a week there. So if Gurriel could come back and hit the baseball, this team like Chapman too. Chapman's got some power. Kirk was at the All-Star game too as a catcher. So, you know, that's also, you know, a nice talent to have. Guerrero, we all know what he can do. Bichette in the last month or so has been, you know, like I said, one of the best hitters in baseball. And then you have George, who is just the captain, the leader of the lineup. When the rallies are going, it's all because of him. And I, I don't know, man, like, what's your opinion here? Because I think this nine, like, I don't know which ones. I don't know if these guys all click their stride that there is a better one in the playoffs. And, you know, the Dodgers do spend. But if this Jays team can all find their best games, good luck. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think, like like I said, I think this team is 1 through 11 capable. Like, I think, you know, you can slot in a couple guys off the bench and they'll be more than, you know, more than capable of producing at a level that a lot of teams can't even find in their seven stick. You know, I think that's kind of what we have. Like, you know, I think we, we have the luxury of, like, whoever's playing the best baseball can, can you know, can plug in and, and do damage. Like, we haven't even seen um, Espinal and Lourdes in some time, like you said. And it's like on given nights, like when Wood's playing well, like where do you slot those guys in, right? Like can you slot those guys in? So it'll be interesting to see how we handle it, you know, as we approach the playoffs and then into the playoffs. Uh, 
I mean, we'll probably do a preview of what we expect the game one lineup to look like, but you know, there's a lot of options and you know, that's kind of the exciting part, right? It's a good problem to have. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's an exciting time for sure. Fall baseball. I don't think there's anything really like it. Uh, the city is going to be, you know, on its heels. Everyone loves the Jays when the Jays make the playoffs. You kind of get those casual fans that start to, you know, oh, we're all Jays. It's time, you know. We can put hockey on hold for a couple of days. It's Jays <laughs> yeah. playoffs. So it's going to be exciting to see. I'm sure we're going to see lots of jerseys and hats, uh, you know, going crazy in stores. Definitely going to make some sales. But it, this is good, right? Like, we've had the COVID situation here in Canada. We've been locked down and stuff like that. Economy's not been the greatest. But now you have the Jays back in the playoffs. This is what I've most been looking forward to is now you're going to have, you know, the bars are going to be full no matter where you are in Ontario or Canada for that matter. It's going to feel like we're back to normal and, you know, you're going to be with your friends and all this stuff. Rogers Center is going to be packed. It's like the Jays made the playoffs that year, but there was no fans there, right? Like it wasn't the same. You weren't able to really go out uh, with crowds of people to the bars to watch, you know, the Jays and that awful like two game whatever that was in Tampa so like it's exciting to see like it finally feels like things are okay again here and you know it's just going to be special and no matter what happens if they get you know destroyed in two games and that's all then you know so be it but just enjoying the the back to normalcy is what I'm really excited for and I can't wait to see this you know country just erupt of blue because you know, once the Jays are in the postseason, Canada turns their eyes towards baseball, and I don't think there's really much like it. Yeah, I think, you know, I, for all the flack that we give baseball or, you know, that the uh, the outside viewers give baseball the bad rep that they have for being boring or, you know, whatever you might call it, um, you know, there, in my opinion, there's no greater elevation of competition than playoff baseball. You know, like you have the NFL where, you know, the regular season draws so much interest that, you know, the playoffs, yeah, there's an increase, but it's not nearly as substantial, in my opinion, as, you know, playoff baseball. Playoff baseball, in my opinion, might be my favorite thing to watch overall. You know, oh, if, especially, sure. especially if your team's in it, man, because it, it, it's like, it, it, I can't even describe it. It's just a total surreal feeling. Uh, you know, you've got massive crowds. Um, and it's almost like, it's funny. It's almost like a whole thing of like storytelling. Like it's like from pitch one to pitch, I don't know, 200 on the day. It's like so much can happen. And, you know, it, it makes room for some of the greatest sports things that I've ever seen. So, you know, for all the, for all the bad rep that baseball gets, I think fantasy, or sorry, uh, fantasy baseball, man, my mind's a fantasy. But playoff baseball is just like, it's on its own level. In my opinion, I don't think there's anything quite like it. No, I like your point there. It's, such a different playoffs than like the NFL and even the NHL, like hockey is probably the biggest sport here in Canada, but you know, something about it's like in baseball, the ability of really getting the best on best. And in hockey, you know, you have four lines of forwards, everybody's going to play, but in baseball, it's really about you getting your best players out on that diamond as much as you can. And, you know, they have playoff rosters. That's not something you really see in other sports where you got to cut some guys from your regular season team because you want to get the best out there. Like there's no, uh, there's no clock. There's no time. Like exactly. You can't run, you can't run away for the, for the majority of the game. Once you have a lead, you can't, you know, you can't run the ball a hundred times. You can't play mm-hmm. keep away with the puck. Like 
that isn't a luxury you have in this in this sport right so i think that's yeah. what's crazy about it is like you compete for all nine innings but anyways mm-hmm. you take it over you got it <laughs> <laughs> no but like that was a great point by you like it's i don't think that's something that's talked about at all and you made a good point there because baseball playoffs are the most like you got to finish the game and i love that point too in football you can run the ball 100 times in the second half and just try and kill the clock if you're up by four scores in you know an nfl divisional playoff game but in baseball you might be up by 10 runs but in the ninth inning that team's still gonna have a chance to win like anything can happen and that's what's so cool and i think that's why each pitch is you know a high leverage situation you turn your eye away for a minute and who knows, maybe you miss a double and then a home run and the game could be over or the game could be miles different than what it was even just a minute ago. And I cannot wait to see the Jays back in the postseason. It's going to be electric and, uh, you know, it's going to be special. It's really going to be special. You know, it's the first time really, like I said, since, you know, prior to COVID and, uh, you know, this new team here, the new era of Blue Jays, Vladdy's and Bichette's and just the vibe overall is going to be so so electric and I can't wait man and Encarnacion's comments have got me absolutely juiced um you know I'm excited I'm really really excited yeah no I agree it'll be it'll be fun to watch yeah so I think that's all for us today here on the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast um can't wait till this series against the Boston Red Sox let's hope the Jays can sweep uh, Boston one more time before the regular season comes to a close. Like I said, I do not like the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Nick, is there anything you want to add here on our uh, episode here for this Boston Sox preview? Yeah, let's take care of business. I think, you know, I think we, this will be a nice tell uh, telltale, you know, of where their minds are at because yeah, they got to celebrate. They got to know that they're in, but they should know now that now the real work starts, right? It starts with securing home field. At least that's the goal they should have in mind. It starts with securing home field, and then you carry it on into, you know, the playoffs. So this is where the, the business starts, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, this team is certainly going to be fun to watch, and I cannot wait. Thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. Me and Nick will be back with you guys again after the series.